Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. Kerry, or the Kingdom, as it is often referred to by the Irish is known for its mystical landscape, beautiful sandy beaches, cliffs and rocky headlands. And today's case begins at one of those scenic places, at a 50-metre-long white strand beach near Cahosavine. The beach is in a sheltered location between the mountains, which makes it a popular spot for swimming and courting. But back in 1984, White Strand Beach became a scene of a crime which sparked an investigation that shocked the entire nation. You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode. On Saturday, the 14th of April, 1984, at 8.30am, a farmer named Jack Griffin was jogging along the Sandy Crescent on his way to check on his cows that were grazing on the nearby grassy field. It was then that Jack noticed something that looked like a doll wedged in the rocks of the beach. 
Jack didn't think too much about it at first and continued his morning duties. But when he later returned, Jack couldn't help but take a closer look at the small, terribly pale figure. What he thought was just a doll was actually a naked body of an infant. Gardy were alarmed and the little boy with terrible injuries was taken to Kalani for post-mortem. The examination was carried out by pathologist Dr. John Harbison, the first state pathologist of Ireland who presided over post-mortem examinations into thousands of murders and suspicious deaths during his career. The results revealed that the unidentified child was just two to three days old. He had been stabbed 28 times in the neck and chest. The blade had pierced his heart four times. The baby boy's neck was also broken and he had numerous other small injuries all over his body. There was no way this was an accident but an extremely brutal murder of a defenseless baby boy. As there was practically no evidence whatsoever for the police to work with, Gardy began to search for women in the county who were known to have been pregnant and no longer were. At the time, it wasn't uncommon for women to give birth at home for various reasons. By the mid-80s, a significant number of women in Ireland still refused to give birth in large hospitals and instead sought the help of midwives to give birth as naturally as possible in the comfort of their homes. And then there were those who didn't want anyone to find out about the pregnancy, fearing they would be shamed by the community because of their young age or the fact that they were not married. In the 1980s, Catholic Church's patriarchal weight still came down heavily on almost every aspect of society. Sex education for girls was practically non-existent. Condoms required a prescription, and only married women were allowed to purchase birth control pills. And that was only if they managed to find a doctor willing to prescribe them. Some of the women with unwanted pregnancies were sent to church-run homes to forcibly deliver the babies that were then given up for adoption. At the time, Irish women were not in control of their own bodies or relationships, as divorce was illegal until 1996. The Kerry baby was discovered during very difficult times. The investigation into the child's murder further demonstrated how women's position was seen in society at the time, which opened a dark chapter in Ireland's history. So, to find and question every possible mother candidate of the murdered baby boy, Gardy conducted door-to-door inquiries demanding the women show their children to prove nothing had happened to them. Eventually, the search spread beyond the town of Cahirsevine to neighbouring Waterville, Killoglin, Sneem and Glengarry. Hippies and travelling families without a permanent home in the area were visited by the Gardi, but the inquiries yielded no results. 
Meanwhile, a gravedigger kept a watch on the murdered baby boy, who was baptized and given the name John, but nobody ever visited his grave. While many rightfully felt that their privacy was horribly violated during the investigation, one woman did benefit from the visit of the guards. She had secretly given birth months earlier and had remained indoors ever since, too ashamed to move freely with her newborn. After Gardi's visit, the child was officially registered and the mother agreed to apply for an unmarried mother's benefit. Despite the stigma, the mother now felt comfortable enough to walk the streets of her hometown with her child. Unfortunately, the same could not be said of so many others. After two weeks of searching for baby John's mother to no avail, local police requested the assistance of the Dublin-based murder squad. It was then that three phone calls were made by Detective Sergeant Dillon. One was to Cura, the Catholic organisation that helps unmarried mothers, but they couldn't help in the Kerry baby investigation. The second call was to the Bon Secours Hospital, during which D.S. Dillon learned nothing useful. But when he contacted St. Catherine's Hospital, D.S. Dillon was given the names of three unmarried women who had been pregnant around the same time the body of the baby had been discovered. Two of these women were quickly cleared as possible mothers of baby John. However, the file of the third woman, 24-year-old Joanne Hayes from Abbey Dorney, looked suspicious. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. According to St. Catherine's Hospital records, 
Joanne had visited the maternity ward on the 14th of April due to heavy bleeding. The very same day, baby John was found. Although Joanne claimed that she had not had a child, a scan performed by gynaecologist John Creedon suggested otherwise, showing signs of the young woman's uterus being recently emptied. Still, D.S. Dillon didn't really consider Joanne Hayes as a person who could have stabbed an infant 28 times. She seemed just like any other woman who had visited the hospital for a similar reason with a voided womb. But strangely, when D.S. Dillon spoke with Abadorni's only policeman, Liam Maloney, he learned that Joanne's cousin claimed Joanna had miscarried in hospital. But according to the records, that wasn't true. Gardy soon learned that Joanne had had an affair with a married man named Jeremiah Locke. The 22-month relationship had resulted in three pregnancies, one miscarriage, one baby girl named Yvonne, and another baby whose fate was unknown. Joanne had believed Jeremiah would one day leave his wife and set up a home with her, but that never happened. Instead, the affair ended around Christmas 1983 after Joanne found out Jeremiah's wife Mary was also pregnant. So Joanne started the year 1984 heartbroken and with a baby in her belly whose father she would never see again. But then, on the 14th of April, Joanne wasn't pregnant anymore but there was no baby anywhere. Some people assumed Joanne's child had been given up for adoption, and some thought she had miscarried. But now, Gardy believed something far more sinister had happened. Eventually, Joanne and members of her family were brought in for questioning on the 1st of May, 1984. At first... Joanne denied her pregnancy, but as soon as she realised Gardy were talking about the baby that was found on the beach near Cahursavine, she changed her story. Now, Joanne admitted that she had expected a child, but claimed to have miscarried in early April. Gardy, however, didn't believe Joanne and kept pressuring her until she finally confessed to giving birth on her family farm in Abidorni, around 50 miles from White Strand Beach. It's unclear if the baby was stillborn or died soon after his birth, but Joanne nevertheless admitted to burying her son in the field. So there was a way for Joanne to prove that she wasn't the mother of baby John. Gardy just had to take her back to the field and find her child's grave. But the guards refused. Later, Joanne drew a map of the location and apparently several searches were conducted, but Gardy failed to locate the body. But the truth is, the guards most likely never really searched the field properly 
because everyone thought Joanne's baby had already been found down in Cahursivine, so why bother searching the fields? Gardy continued to use oppressive methods of extracting statements from Joanne, something that could be called, quote, systematic maltreatment of a suspect. They threatened to throw Joanne in a prison cell and her baby daughter Yvonne in an orphanage, saying the girl would never see her mother again. Needless to say, Joanne was horrified and finally crumbled under the pressure, admitting that she killed the baby on the beach by putting her hands around the baby's neck till it stopped crying. But curiously, she didn't mention anything about 28 stab wounds. Joanne's confession was followed by statements from family members too. Kathleen Hayes, Joanne's sister, told Gardy it was her daughter who had really strangled the baby and she was the one who provided the knife. But it was Mike Hayes, Joanne's brother, who had actually stabbed the child. In addition, Ned Hayes, another brother of Joanne, admitted that he knew about the murder. But Joanne's mother, Mary's account, didn't exactly match with the known facts of the case. Nevertheless, based on the Hayes family statements, Gardy put together a theory of what had happened. They believed Joanne had given birth on the 13th of April, She then strangled the child and another member of the family conducted the stabbing before someone drove the 50 miles to White Strand Beach to dispose of the body. But there was one big problem. Joanna's baby boy's remains were found the very next day, exactly where she said it would be. After the discovery of the burial ground in the field of the Hayes family farm, it became clear that Joanne had not been lying, at least not about that part of the story. Still, nobody knew whether the child had died of exposure, was killed by Joanne, or was stillborn. Autopsy results were inconclusive but they also found no signs of strangulation or any stab wounds. One might think that Gardy would have backed off at this point, but no. Instead, they came up with an absurd theory that they believed Joanne Hayes had given birth to twins. One of the boys was then buried on the farm and the other on the beach. Gardy didn't even care about the fact that blood tests showed the baby on the farm had blood type O, while the baby on the beach had blood type A. Both Joanne and Jeremiah were blood type O, meaning they couldn't possibly be baby John's parents. But again, Gardy had an explanation. Heteropaternal superfecundation. This extremely rare phenomenon occurs when a second ova released during the same menstrual cycle 
is fertilized by the sperm cells of a different man. In other words, Gardy speculated that Joanne had slept with two different men within a short time period, in which both of these men impregnated her, and as a result, she gave birth to two sons, one with blood type O and one with blood type A. Rather than just admit they were wrong, Gardy came up with the most wildest, unlikely scenario possible. Fortunately, this theory was so ridiculous, it carried little weight in medical and legal circles. And eventually, as there was no evidence linking Joanne Hayes to baby John, all of her charges were dropped. The mishandling of the case soon led to a government tribunal. While the Hayes family claimed Joanne and her relatives had been verbally, physically and mentally abused during questioning, Gardy denied all accusations. The tribunal quickly devolved into a trial of Joanne's womanhood. Her character, personal affairs and sex life were all on public display. There were actually maps made about locations where Joanne and her lovers had been intimate, and doctors were given details about the size of the young woman's birth canal. While Joanne received support from women across the country, the tribunal never brought her justice. While it found Joanne didn't kill baby John, Gardy were absolved of any wrongdoing. When the witch hunt finally came to an end, Joanne Hayes returned to Abbey Dorney, but her life was forever impacted. It took Gardy 34 years to finally apologise to her, after DNA tests conclusively ruled that she could not have been baby John's mother. Meanwhile, the real parents and the killer of baby John are yet to be found. A murder inquiry is currently ongoing and the child's body was exhumed by Gardy at Holy Cross Cemetery in Cahusavine on the 14th of September 2021 as part of the investigation. Only time will tell if baby John's real identity will ever be uncovered and his killer or killers finally brought to justice, or if Gardy messed up the possibility to get answers by focusing on the senseless witch hunt. Anyone with information in relation to this ongoing investigation is asked to contact Kilani Garda Station at 064-663-1222. The Garda Confidential Line 1800-666-111 or any Garda Station. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I will see you the same time next Wednesday. Until then, please stay safe.
you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support.